Dear sports fans, elevate your game to the next level with a Toyota truck. Drive the crowd favorite Tacoma. This versatile playmaker is ready to own the weekend. Choose the tailgating MVP, the Toyota Tundra. This is one vehicle that comes up clutch. Or ride in the adventurous 4Runner, a true champion on and off the road. Whichever truck you choose, you're getting a real winner. Come join the team of champions, Toyota Trucks. Visit toyota.com to learn more or check out your local Toyota dealership today. Toyota, let's go places. What's up, everyone? This is Adam Mades from DNVR, excited to talk to you about American financing. Everyday bills are high, and everything is still very expensive, which is why, if you own a home, I want you to call our friends at American Financing. Interest rates are lower than they've been in a long time. They're saving their customers, on average, $854 a month by tapping into their home's equity and wiping out high-interest credit card debt. Their salary-based mortgage consultants are in it for you. Their job is to save you money. Call American Financing and tell them DNVR sent you today, and you may be able to delay two mortgage payments. That's 303-695-7000, 303-695-7000, or go to AmericanFinancing.net slash DNVR. Strava Craft Coffee is gifting five $1,000 gift certificates to their online stores this week only. All you have to do to enter is order some Strava Craft coffee. How easy is that? It's delicious. It's good for you. You can still use your code DNVR20 to receive 20% off your entire purchase. And you enter to win a $1,000 gift card to use at StravaCraftCoffee.com. If you're a coffee drinker like me, this will change your life. So treat yourself to a fresh roast of Strava's CBD-infused coffee Order online, use that promo code DNVR20, and you may just end up with $1,000 worth of coffee. And go. Ball in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look. You won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome in the NVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Mile High Green Cross. Remember to sign up for their loyalty program and receive 20% off your entire purchase once per month. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode of the podcast, we continue our conversation along with our guy, Patrick Lyons, with former Colorado Rockies outfielder and current Colorado Rockies broadcaster, at least he would be if there were current Colorado Rockies games to broadcast, Corey Sullivan. Uh, we were sort of in the middle here of a conversation about Game 163 in 2007 and about that season more at large and the, the postseason as it would go further on. So we'll jump back into that. We do get into a bit more uh, modern news. So if you're not feeling just like walking down memory lane, don't worry. There's plenty of conversation in here with regards to uh, current events, uh, particularly with regards to the proposal that minor league baseball 
contract, which is just this crazy thing. But uh, Corey brings up some pretty interesting ideas to consider as we go through that. So crack open a Breck Brew. Keep yourself manscaped. Make sure you check out WGT Golf, a new sponsor we're super excited about. Golf game I've been playing every day. It's super addictive. There's a lot of fun ways to play it. So if you're terrible at your short game, just like I am, you can play close to the hole. You can come challenge me, anyone on DNVR staff. We've got a big tournament going on this Sunday. It's going to be so much fun. It's free to download. There's over 20 million people playing on there. So there's always someone you can play against. It's a whole lot of fun. You can play real golf courses, the super famous ones like Pebble Beach, Bethpage Black, St. Andrews. I'm telling you, if you're even moderately interested in golf games or just games in general or, you know, having fun, you should check out WGT Golf. It's really, really cool. So, like I said, kick back, maybe even play a little WGT Golf while you're listening. It's something you can do. Get your Breck Brew open and we return to our conversation with Corey Sullivan. So there were a couple of opportunities. You said a couple times you said you're going to win 50 nothing. never any doubt in your mind uh, going into the game. Now, during the game, Aegon hits a grand slam off your boy. Uh, that inning. By the way, had, how, how bad was that pitch and watching it again? Oh, I know. Well, it, <laughs> oh, was, my God. A terrible pitch. What bothered me, though, was that, you know, the base is loaded. Like, he hadn't really pitched that poorly up to that point. Like, oh, a couple oh, of jam man. jobs, you know, some course field singles. Uh, but yeah, then he just leaves one to one of the best hitters of the decade <laughs> right over the plate. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing, Fogger? Uh, so, and then I think that inning continued to slip away. He let another run come in, I believe. And so you guys are down 5-3. There's a chance for you to go, oh, no. Um, there was Garrett Atkins hitting a home run that was called a double. Chance for you to go, oh, no. And then, of course, in extras, when they go up on the Hairston home run, at any point did you go, well, nice run. Uh. So, truth be told, uh, I think I entered the game in the eighth inning. I came in I for three. I, ended, I think that's right. I ended up getting three at bats, um, and I can vividly remember I'm in center field. Obviously, hops and left, or, or hops and right, holidays and left, and he gives up. Jorge Julio gives up the home run, and Ramon Ortiz is coming into the game. So they come into center. You know, we're making the pitching change. I can remember all three of us just looking at each other and just being like. Oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. I, I, I can't believe it, but not one time I can remember. Did anybody say, I can't believe it's over. Like none, none of the three of us said it's over. Like it didn't even enter one of our heads. We knew where we were in the lineup and we knew Trevor Hoffman had warmed up 19 times. That's a bit (laughs) of an exaggeration. Obviously he hated course field and you think that, in your mind, because none of us got to watch it, obviously, <laughs> how, how, how many pitches was that inning by Trevor Hoffman? In your mind. Oh, right. What's your, what's your guess? My actual guess, because I know it wasn't very many. Like, in my mind, it took so long, so you would think it was a 20-25. But, you know, because what? It's Natsui, too low, doubles. But we're not counting. Uh, there was an intentional walk of Helton in there, right? Correct. Don't um, count that. Okay. So 10, 11. I think it's like, I th- I, somebody look, one of you guys, do, if you can look it up, I'm going to take like over 15 easy. 
Because we okay. looked back at it, and it seemed like it was just one pitch, one pitch, one pitch, and it wasn't. 19. Okay, yeah. 19. 19. There you go. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, it's incredible. I mean, when you watch the rhythm of that inning unfold, as soon as Kaz got on, everybody was like, well, how's it going to end? Nobody thought Jamie Carroll on a sack fly. I can guarantee that. <laughs> you didn't take that prop bet in the dugout before. That oh, was, my God. That was not oh. done well. Yeah. Now, did you? But, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you yeah, guys go. So, so for your, you know, your your plate appearances, you you know, you you've, of course you said, you know, these games have to to end with with the big players making the big plays, and and in this case that that, that happened. Jamie Carroll got the sack fly yeah, as as you drew it up as you drew it up on the chalkboard that uh, does not exist inside a Coors Field. Um, but you know, you you faced uh, you walked your your first plate appearance uh, as soon as you came in. Second the game one was the against Doug Brocale. Bingo, and last yeah, one was against I hit Joe a yeah, I, I flew out to. I thought I hit honestly the ball against Brocale. It was his curveball, and I can I can even walk through that at bat. I remember on deck, I was like, when he throws me that curveball, I was sitting on it. I'm gonna hit it out of the ballpark, and I'm gonna end the game. And when I hit it, in my mind, I hit it perfect. Oh. Just top spun. I top spun it. I didn't backspin it, and it was caught by Giles in right field. But I, I mean, I think every guy on our team that day felt like one of those at bats, like. It could be me. I'm I'm prepared. Let's go. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I also said this recently is what a lot of people don't realize is most of the players lived that out, not game 163, but after we won the NLCS, most mm. people don't realize when they went out on Blake Street, 20th right there. Yeah. Most of the player, most of the players, we all lived right around there. And most of us were part of that celebration. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was right in there. I was in there. Yeah. Uh, uh, most of us want, wanted to experience it just like you guys did. That's pretty cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so uh, did you think Holiday had hit it out? Uh, I did by his reaction. When he hit it, I didn't think he did. But uh, his reaction was definitely. Yeah, I was uh, I, I was concerned about the pop fly. I thought it was going to be just short. I thought it was going to get caught on the warning track. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, with and, and watching Brian out there, I, I he legitimately could have caught that ball. Uh, obviously, no. you're dealing with a couple of different materials, and that wall is kind of a little bit scary when you see all the height of it. But um, I don't think it would have been as great a story if he hits a homer there. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's, you know, if if you're looking what – I think the right answer to what is the greatest play and the greatest moment in Rockies history is a sack fly off of the bat of Jamie Carroll. The, the, the slide as well, but it's not like you're saying, hey, great slide, dude. Really? <laughs> no, no, because we don't even know if he I, – I still don't definitively know if he touched the plate. I know Tim McMullen called him safe. I'm very grateful for that, but – uh, it's one of those things where it it had to end on a <gasps> yeah right because <laughs> right. everybody kind of sat there for a second the air got sucked out and then we all went nuts right yeah uh, I, I I just I I think I love a great story I love a great movie I love a great book and to me that was the best writing I've ever experienced in reality. Yeah, there there were two, two Todd Helton things that I wanted to ask you about next. Um, one was 
was your reaction similar to his when he famously said, I can't believe we just won that baseball game. And um, well, why don't, why don't you give me that one first? Was was that the same reaction for you? So obviously I've said that we expected to win it, but given the way it went like this, right? <laughs> right. I, I don't know if any of us thought it was going to end. And uh, no, I couldn't. And I know the way he said it. I completely agree with his sentiment. Uh, and, and then the other thing, like for him and, and our guy, David, coming in and says, so nice to hear Soli's voice makes me miss Rockies baseball that much more, though. So, you know, bittersweet. Oh, you don't, how, I can't believe he didn't miss my face, right? <laughs> is, is he trying to tell me I got a face for radio? Just the voice in the baseball. That's what he's missing. Yeah. You might need more foundation and rouge than, than they normally uh, do in the studio. And actually be clean shaven. I, I don't think any of us actually have. Uh, have you seen Spilly recently? By the way? I was just about to tell you. You're looking. You're doing a lot better than than Spilly yeah. right now. Yeah, it's oh. pretty rough. <laughs> we got to bring him on one of these and and see what the people. Uh, think. I mean, it's a, people great. His, the last time I saw him, his hair was standing up about this high. He's got a full beard and it's gray, all gray. <laughs> I'm getting the uh, it's it, that that gray stuff starting to happen to me. It's it's, it's going on. It does. Yeah, it happens. Um. And so, I know, uh, yeah, so I know that, you know, a lot of the uh, everyone's happy for themselves. Everyone's happy for the team. Uh, there was this extra I've, I'm actually I've been getting into hockey recently and I'm I'm, I'm a brand new fan. But with these old games, we, we went back and watched the 2001 Stanley Cup finals. I learned the story about Ray Bork and, all. you know, I've been in the NHL for all these years, was considered a great. And he finally got his cup. Not quite the same with Helton, but. The level of that, at what point did it sink in to you guys and uh, more to the team? We know on the outside we were all kind of hyper-focused on that, but at what point did you all turn and go, this guy who's meant so much to this organization and never gotten to taste this, just got to be a part of this moment? Well, I think, honestly, when you look back at that run in September, I think when he hit the homer off Saito, that's – like I said, all of us believed September one, we had a chance to make the playoffs. That's why we started playing the way we did. But I think when he hit that Homer, it kind of made us all believe that we actually could like, we actually can do this. And when we all kind of honored him, because you know, the trade rumors that went around that year and where he could have been. And I think for, for Todd, not that I want to speak for him, but I think that home run, was like the chip on his shoulder saying we can do this here. That's why I stayed. I believe in this team. I believe in this town and I believe in this organization. And when he hit that Homer, I think we all became real galvanized that now we're going to do it for Todd. We're going to do it for Todd because he's, he's the face of this franchise. He's, I mean, when you think of the Colorado Rockies, who do you think of? You think of Todd Helton and Mm -hmm. that moment with, this moment was when he put his arms up. That's what we all thought for. Um, when, he million that, when, when he made the last out for the NLCS in uh, Colorado, that's yeah. what we all did it for. Yeah. That that's a good. That may also be in there. That might be the greatest moment in Rocky's history as well. It's either the holiday slide or that, right? It's definitely yeah. memorable visually, like you said. You know, the face of you know this twenty-seven year franchise. You know, 
shouting like a little kid, but of course has a man in his face. And it's just, that's it. 21 out of 22. They did it. You did yeah, it. I mean, it, it, well, no, I, I swear to you. I, I, I was, uh, you guys know me. I don't mind getting in front of a camera, obviously. Spilly doesn't mind getting in front of a camera. But when we had our little thing in downtown Denver after the World Series was over. I don't know if you guys were there, if you ever watched the footage where we came out on stage and spoke. I, I got volunteered to speak. And I said this then, and I say it to this day, is the fans have no idea how much they meant to the players and how much they contributed during all of that. And I think that's part of it. Like, I think for the city of Denver, I think having mid-September just become this unbelievable sprint to the finish i think every fan felt like they were part of the team and they really really were that's how honestly we all felt it's definitely how i felt at the time and i've talked a little bit about it on this podcast before it was something i needed an everyday distraction my actual life was just totally falling apart and every single day for three hours or so uh i had something else to do and it was this extraordinarily exciting you know, the most memorable moment of uh, time in the history of this team I grew up uh, loving and, and rooting for. Of course, uh, it didn't quite end the way we all would have hoped. Adam, with the million-dollar question, one I know, again, that you've been asked before many times and answered, but uh, given more time to think about it, uh, do you believe if there wasn't a week-long layoff before playing Cleveland that you guys would have won that World Series? Whether it was the Indians, if they had finished off the Red Sox and we played two days later, or if it was the Red Sox that we would have played, I would say there's no question it would have been an epically better series. But let's be honest. We played Boston earlier in the year. How did that go? Right? Yeah. We, we have uh, – it's one of those things. Baseball is a momentum sport. It is on any given day, any team can be beaten by any opponent. But – I promise you, with what we had going, whether you want to call it karma, whether you want to just call it mojo, we would have put on a much better show. Because I feel like that's the hard part for players is, in hindsight, we feel like we let down an entire city. We let down fans because we didn't put on the performance we knew we were capable of. I haven't had eight days off in a baseball season since I was probably 16. And to do that at a major league level and for try and perform at your peak performance, it's just never, it's never going to happen. And it's still the longest layoff. And you can see by game three and four, how much better we were playing, but you could still tell we were not at full tilt. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a brutal one. Yeah, it, it is. But again, I, I don't, know if you can write it any other way right uh, we all want the the hoosier story where we end it and because that's what makes sports great but you know what i can tell you this i think four days after that season ended there were about nine of us already in the gym at Coors field getting ready for next year and that's kind of what it does yeah you, yeah, you mentioned that, you know, kind of getting ready for the next season. Of course, you guys took a step back in, in 2008 before, you know, Rockies went to the playoffs in, in 2009. That, you know, there seems to be a trend with that where teams, they take a big step forward one year. It's hard to sustain it. You kind of backslide. And then that, that third year is when you're back again. Yeah, I think especially for a team like us that and an organization that hadn't 
been or had that opportunity of going to a World Series. I think when you get into an offseason, I've never been a general manager and I can't be inside Dan's head at that time. I think you try and figure out what went wrong, right? And you try and make the necessary changes. And as a young, inexperienced organization, some of the choices probably weren't the best choices. And I think when you then enter 2009, you know which choices worked, which choices didn't, and you can make the necessary changes to make the team better. Should have kept Kaz. <laughs> I was I was with Kaz. You realize I got to be Kaz's teammate again in Houston in 2010. That's right. That's right. Should have yeah. kept Sully. <laughs> yeah. But the heart yeah, and soul the team off, They sent me off to the Mets. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You were the, the Gerardo Parra of that team. They needed you. Correct. Yeah. Jerry Manuel, Omar Manaya. I had, I had Jerry. I love Jerry. He was awesome. Now, you know, hopefully I'm not getting off the, the subject of the 2007 Rockies, you know, too soon, but um, there's a little team down in Colorado Springs, formerly known as the Sky Sox, now known as the Rocky Mountain Vibes. I was curious, I haven't heard your thoughts yet on what Major League Baseball is, is looking to do as far as the, you know, retraction of, of 42 teams in Minor League Baseball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe, maybe you, you don't necessarily talk about that, but maybe more just about no. your time in Colorado Springs. Uh, and the good people down there because you, you spent parts of two seasons with the Sky Sox. Yeah, I mean, I loved honestly playing in Colorado Springs. It was unique for me because I skipped it on the way up. Uh, yeah. I had spent about three and a half years in the big leagues before I got to go down and play in Colorado. That's my first foray in playing minor league baseball in Colorado where the fans are fans of the Colorado Rockies, right? When I'm playing in Tulsa, it's a little different. They're not really Rockies fans it's kind of a crazy thing and getting to see Rockies fans from that perspective. I mean, they came out, they were incredible. Obviously playing in Colorado Springs is a little bit different than playing at Coors Field in that it, it can snow. It can be 50 mile an hour winds. I mean, and the ball really, really flies there, but the fans were incredible. But to speak to your uh, thing about Patrick, about the sea or about contraction, I've actually been an advocate of it for a long, long time longer than it's ever been talked about. And I, I think it's, for me personally, I think having gone through the minor leagues and watched how many players don't reach the major league level, I think when you take away that many minor league teams, you're going to force a lot of really, really good players to go to college and get an education. And to me, I've seen too many former teammates who didn't have a vocation or a skill set to fall back on. And it takes them a long time to find some traction. And while it sucks when you hear that there will be so many players without a job at the minor league level. I think to myself, well, no, but there are a lot of, a lot of young men that are going to get skills to prepare themselves for the rest of their lives. And that's the way I've always looked at it. And, you know, when you, if you were to take away two minor league teams from every organization, that's 50 to 60 players that are now going to have to find a home at a division three school, a division two school, a division one school, an NAIA school, a junior college. That doesn't matter to me. It's the fact that they're getting a college education that matters to me. And honestly, if you're going to take it away, I, I kind of like the idea of forcing them to have to go three years of college. Uh, And the reason being is, I mean, that's, that's education and years you can't take back. And I, I personally, Loved my college experience. I didn't get to do it like everyone else does where you get to go on spring break. No baseball player does. But you have some education level to fall back on. 
And when you're talking about, you know, 19,000 major league players, think about how many minor leaguers that didn't get there. And while, yes, they get to chase a dream, I am all for chasing your dream. I, I have a 12-year-old daughter. I repeatedly state it. If she wants to play baseball, I will push her to become the first major league woman to play professional baseball. And it's just more about hedging bets to me. And while they're doing it for other reasons, what because you know some of the stadiums aren't up to par, some of the clubhouses aren't up to par, I agree with all of that. I just I like kids having to get the education. Yeah, that's that was sorry exactly. to get on my on my soapbox. <laughs> well, that was precisely how I was thinking about is you know for every dream scenario of a guy who you know breaks through after all of those years, you know there's 20, 25 more of them that don't have it and are just working that job. Whereas if you have them go to college, maybe some of those, you know, success stories can happen, but now they're more likely to have a career. And, and that's right. what ultimately what you want. You want a career, not necessarily a job. So it, I think it's, it could really end up helping more people in the long run. Less people will have that story of when they were young and, and, and their big, big store from that big game, whether it was double, triple A or making it to the majors, but you're going to have more, you know, successful people out there with, like you said, with a skill and a career and just, you know, better self-sustaining life. Yeah. Where it gets interesting for me too, is, is the Latin American players. Uh, if you're still going to have the, you know, the facilities that they have down in the Dominican or, you know, anywhere else that a team has a facility, whether it's Venezuela, anything, as long as kids are still getting an opportunity, I, I am all for it because you know, all it's going to do is change the path to the story. It doesn't have to change the story. And I think that's important. I, I think parents have pushed kids so far these days in specialized sports that that's where this pushback's coming from is you've got parents that have been just pumping money into kids' private lessons, all of this to just get them that opportunity to get into minor league baseball. And I just push back on the parents and say, it's okay for them to have to go to college to change the path to go to that dream. It's okay. Because guess what? It may teach them something else. It may teach them, you know, more courage, more, you know, just to be smarter about how they approach the game of baseball to get them there faster. You never know. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting perspective. And I'm glad you brought it up because we've talked about this several times and I've been kind of hyper-focused on other elements of it. And I hate communities losing their minor league baseball team um you know particularly looking at colorado springs and grand junction yep. um really you know i feel sad for the fans out there i know they're great fans They've, there's a whole culture built around minor league baseball and going out and supporting the guys and then watching them you know for seeing john gray and kyle freeland three four years later make their big league yep. debuts and and so there's there we'll miss some things but uh I'm really going to give a lot, a lot more thought to, to what you've said there about the education because you're right. Like, and if anybody hasn't seen, there's like great. The, I think it was a thirty for thirty, right? On uh, what was it called? Broke on. Oh yeah. On all the professional athletes who've just guys who've had a ton of money or guys who've just had some money and all the different kinds of ways you can lose it. And it's easy for fans to fall into the trap and be like, "Why should I be concerned about these guys? They're they've made it to the pros. They got paid a ton of money and." All you have to do is not be an idiot not to lose it all, but that's not how it works. Well, again, when you're talking about guys that are the top of their game, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, whether it's baseball, 
any of those sports, they become so, so hyper-focused that sometimes that stuff's ancillary. And let's be honest, the best players I've ever played with didn't play this game for money ever at any level. That was just a byproduct of their performance. And, you know, for guys to go broke in that situation, I think it's they're focused on their career. They're not focused on, do I have $10 million in the bank? Do I have $100 million in the bank? No, that's why I hire people and I'm not worried about it. I'm worried about playing the game. And it's unfortunate that people have gotten take advantage of and uh, unfortunately, you know, had to lose all their money. But I do feel bad for the small towns, but I challenge them to not be so subjective or myopic. Think about baseball as a whole in the big picture and the product of baseball. It will be a better, more, again, how, how they get to that apex doesn't change. They get to the apex, just the journey changes. And, and I, I feel bad for the towns that, you know, have teams that draw well, that are going to be cut out of this, but, Again, I, I challenge them to think at the 50,000-foot view rather than the one-foot view. And if you know where there's a will, there's a way. And you right. know, Major League Baseball has proposed a dream league, and, and I, I find there to be some some flaws in that. But ultimately, you know, Colorado Springs in particular is not too far away from the Pecos League, you know, or from the Trinidad Triggers. So, I mean, you, you could, you know, latch on that way and say, hey, all right, if, if we really love baseball – well, let's go to a right. game and, and root for these guys that now nah, these are underdogs. You know, they're not, you know, kids who got a $200,000 or a million dollar signing bonus coming out of out of high school whose parents have pumped in all this money. These are guys that are a little more grizzled. They're 24, 25. They're not even underneath the banner of minor league baseball. Let's go and support them. And, and like you said, it, it just changes the path. It, it doesn't, you know, totally stamp it all out altogether. Right. I mean, everybody wants to root on Crash Davis, the grinder, right? Because that's what that is. That is a pure grinder. Those are playing the game for the love of the game. That's, I mean, that's the purest form of baseball when you get to watch it. One of the best stories I've gotten to cover that had nothing to do with the Rockies making the postseason in in 18 and and 17 was Stephen Cardulo. Yeah. Right. I mean, that, that is honestly one of the most amazing stories I've seen in baseball. Thank God I got to cover it because I don't know if I would have been a part of it otherwise. And and for those of you that don't know, we won't do the whole thing now, but, but look that one up. We did podcasts. We did articles at the time. Uh, that, <laughs> that was just amazing to behold what happened. Yep. With that. Um, and, and, you know, and you, of course you've got, you know, Josh Fuentes and, and DJ Johnson from, you know, a year or so ago, again, guys who were undrafted. So it's, it's not impossible. It, it's certainly it's not impossible. It, it just alters the path a little bit, but again, the guys that are headstrong, that are committed, they're going to find a way they're going to work their tail off to get there. And, you know, while the fans in these small towns are going to lose the opportunity, possibly uh, no one really knows yet. It, it's one of those things where spend a little bit of time to be not think of me and me losing the game, but to go watch these guys play somewhere else and really watch the that's the purest form. It really is. Right on. Well, I think that's all I've got, Patrick. Sully, anything you wanted to say? Just throw out there. <laughs> no, I just appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity. It was fun. Uh, thank you. Cool. Yeah, no, we appreciate you taking the time out of what I assume is an incredibly busy schedule. <laughs> yeah, I think for all of us, right? I mean, it's just booked up, booked up. 
Uh, hopefully there will be some form of baseball back soon and we can get you on and talk about that again. But yeah, we, we appreciate you taking the time, everybody. I would say everybody go follow him on social media, but you can't. <laughs> no, you got to come find me. We'll talk baseball. Come find me. Look for those clouds in the background. If you see those clouds up ahead over you, you know, you're in the yeah, right area of evergreen. Evergreen. Yep. Those are the clouds. Look for those yep. clouds and you're close to Sully. <laughs> I'll tell you this. The camera is facing southeast. <laughs> <laughs> You've gotten so many clues now. If you can't figure it out, basically, that's on you. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I really do appreciate you all taking right, time, everyone. Hope you follow on social media. Subscribe to the DNVR.com. Do all that stuff. For Patrick Lyons and Corey Sullivan, I've been Drew Creaseman. You've been absolutely awesome. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark. Dear sports fans, elevate your game to the next level with the Toyota truck. Drive the crowd favorite Tacoma. This versatile playmaker is ready to own the weekend. Choose the tailgating MVP, the Toyota Tundra. This is one vehicle that comes up clutch. Or ride in the adventurous 4Runner, a true champion on and off the road. Whichever truck you choose, you're getting a real winner. Come join the team of champions, Toyota Trucks. Visit Toyota.com to learn more or check out your local Toyota dealership today. Toyota, let's go places.